Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to, uh, I think this is our first Summer League Basketball edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. Uh, joined today, this is Ben. Uh, I have uh, Mike, as always. How do you do? How you doing? How you doing? Uh, as well as Tim Cato, another one of our SB Nation NBA writers uh, out there out west. Uh, Tim, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing okay. I think I'm fully recovered, but uh, that was a was a long time to be in Vegas. How long were you guys there for? I was I was out there I think nine days although I, I left pretty early the ninth day so I don't know how much that counts but you know oh. it's yeah I was there for five days it, it's funny how we talk about like being recovering from a trip that probably a lot of people would love to take it's not just on this this uh, podcast it's just sort of a thing that everybody is sort of dreading the summer league experience of just being in Vegas now I don't I don't really like Vegas I, I just think. There's a lot of gambling, and I, I feel like it's expensive, but also there isn't a lot of great places to eat, and it's hot as hell this time of year. And it's just sort of funny that we talk about it in terms of recovering from Las Vegas. <laughs> well, a lot of people use recovering in a different sense from Las Vegas, but yeah. I, I see what you're saying. You're working. You're yeah, we're, working. We're, we're recovering from watching, like, kind of B-level basketball. <laughs> well, was there any was there any A level basketball played? I mean, let me start this off. I guess we can get right into it. You guys consumed a lot of basketball. You had a lot of conversations with other writers from different teams, people who may follow other teams more. more a lot of empty calories. A lot of empty calories. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, when you're when you're in arenas, there's only so much you can get. Um, and shout out can... to the chicken strips. <laughs> oh yeah, no, those were good. Uh, those oh, are really good. I, I, by the way, I was really proud of myself. I found like a quote unquote healthy booth that had like basically just really basic chicken Caesar salad wraps or whatever. And that was great. I felt so much better just for getting that instead of getting some of the greasy stuff elsewhere. Just like one time though, right? No, like uh, that's what I had all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. No, that's good. You have to be uh, wary of that stuff. I always remember, like when I was was coaching AAU, and you're just in gyms all day, and it's not even a real snack bar. It's like hot dogs and and Airheads. Uh, was no diet uh, to be to be coaching. No, on. but um, I anyhow, did. So. I did go one day without eating, and I, <laughs> my wife called and was like, "What are you doing?" And she got really mad at me, and so she deserved to be. So I don't know. Just time passed by. It's so having so much fun at the Vegas Summer League that you forget to eat. Yeah, and I, uh, that's, uh, it happens to everyone. I'm sure Tim's had similar uh, experiences, or not. <laughs> um, I don't but, think uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get right into it. Uh, Tim, I'll start with you first, man. Um, let's start with the 2016 class, the rookies who, who were participating in the Summer League, Simmons, Ingram. Um, and when we talk about uh, you know the, these, uh, the rookies, we'll also mention maybe Heald, Thon Maker, a couple guys like that. I want to get your impressions. Mike, you can chime in after Tim here. Just... What did you see from these guys? Was it A level basketball in uh, by them in D level games, or or what were you thinking? What, what were your impressions of this uh, 2016 class so far? The, these players really have to work. Uh, don't I mean? Obviously, the competition level is not what it is in the NBA, but it, it's definitely a higher level comp- level of competition than 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 college basketball and most overseas leagues. I would argue it's probably a little bit better than that. Where it gets messy is that the teams. 
the teams don't really have a lot of time to practice together. There's there's some mm-hmm. obvious sloppiness in you know the plays and the sets they run because you know uh, if if they're lucky they've had about a week together. But with Orlando Summer League and the the league in Denver or in, U- in Utah, I should say, uh, there there's just sometimes the players aren't showing up until the Vegas starts. Uh, so so they're really like you, you'll see there's a few players here and there. Uh, obviously, this was this was like uh, players trying to get contracts, not players under under contract. But they're trying to get uh, uh, they they join on the first day and then they sit out a game or two because they literally have not practiced and they literally don't know the sets yet. So um, it's it's uh, it's good talent, good good players mixed with you know you know inherent sloppiness. But in general, with the top picks, you can you can see them you know. The, their strengths and you can see them struggle and uh, you know, you can see the areas that they're going to have to work on headed into the, the rookie year. Mm. To me, there's only, there's only one guy that really stood out in this rookie class. That was Chris Dunn. Everybody else honestly had a lot of, you know, uneven showed flashes, all that. I mean, look, Ben Simmons is court vision. We could talk about as otherworldly, but the only guy that really, Slam dunk showed out to me was Chris Dunn, and part of that was because he only played two games. So, but though, boy, what a two games those were! I mean, by Vegas standards, you have to remember he didn't shoot amazingly. He's a big, strong guard, and so the lead guard, those guys always play well in Vegas. But I mean, to me, if I'm the Wolves, like I'm right now, I'm puffing up Ricky Rubio as much as I can to try to get trade value for him because I think Chris mm-hmm. Dunn's ready to play right away. Can I ask you this question? Who do you think is a better prospect right now, Moody or Dunn? Well, okay, so this is what was so interesting, right? Because Dunn, I thought, really outplayed Moody when they played. Uh, I know the Nuggets won the game, but they strongly outplayed Moody. But Dunn's like two years older already. And so it was sort of this weird, like the veteran Moody, who's two years younger, playing the rookie Dunn, who's two years older and probably a lot strong. kind of his body is a little bit more defined. It was sort of a reverse of what you would expect. Uh, I thought Dunn was much better in that game. I'm just, to me, he he's like a Thibodeau point guard built out of a lab. He's super tough. He can get into the lane. He's sort of a little bit of an erratic decision maker. I think that's sort of his Achilles heel. But and he's just a monster on defense. I mean, he's just got these long arms. He doesn't he doesn't get stuck on screens. You can envision in Thibodeau's sort of ice scheme where the bigs drop back and you need the guard to fight over. You can envision Dunn just being a huge pain for point guards. He was playing defense like a like a disciplined Westbrook athletically. If that makes any sense. In your well, head. I mean Westbrook is so undisciplined. I don't think it's even like a fair <laughs> comparison. I think. You know, he was playing, like, sometimes when Drew Holiday is really locked in, he plays like that. I mean, Dunn... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. They're so long. They're so athletic. And, 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 they, and they stick. He sticks to the guy. He doesn't He doesn't get screened. Sort of like what Marcus Smart does. You know, that kind of player. And I, I would that, to me, was really impressive. And I know he's sort of, like, NBA-ready, and that's why he looked good. But, yeah, sure. I, I'm trying to trade Rubio right now if I'm Minnesota. Let me ask you, uh, Tim, let me ask you about a potential backup guard for... Uh, you know, for, for Chris Dunn. And that would be Tyus Jones. He, he won the MVP of this tournament, I believe, or he's, he's at the, he had 28 points, I believe last night, something like that. He's just playing really well. He looks like a backup point guard by the eye test of summer league, but he would be the third point guard on this, this roster with Rubio there. Uh, what have you seen in Tyus Jones? Do you like him or not? Uh, what have you been hearing about him? Cause I think he had an interesting summer league, obviously. Yeah, I think, I think summer league MVP 
you probably know this already, but it, it doesn't mean much. It's basically, it, it's an award for a player who's <laughs> playing well, but they also kind of have to stick in the tournament uh, five, six games. That's true. You know, to, to actually win that award. So so there's obviously some, you know, some reason why he won that over people who had better showings, but just not as many games. Do, do you remember Do you remember who won Summer League MVP last year? I honestly am looking it up right now because I forgot. I have no idea. Um, Let's I see. Was someone who played in the league. I, sh- I should know this, but oh, I, I think I know who it is. But I'm gonna double. Oh, it was Kyle Anderson. Okay, oh, I yeah, wouldn't right, have said. Right. And who won in 2000? I mean, I just didn't Josh Selby win summer league MVP one year. Well, look, can we get a track record of this? Because what if it's actually like a significant indicator? It probably isn't. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> we just stumble upon it. Yeah, Josh Selby, co MVP of the 2012 <laughs> summer league. Uh, yeah, leave him out of this. That was a long time ago. Uh, Damian Lillard won one year. There's that's nice. Uh, I remember that he was unreal that year. Glenn Rice Jr. won the year before, and now I remember that is the Wizards <laughs> made it made a deep run. Uh, I'm surprised. So, so so four four superstars. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and your point is, yeah, this is good, Mike. I can't believe that you didn't know that Wizards trivia. If I'm going to be totally honest, I forgot. I had sort of blocked that error out of my mind. <laughs> Uh, I was high on Glenn Rice Jr. when they drafted him, and I was excited, and, and it didn't work out. So I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Did, I don't think it happened. Um, so uh, okay, oh, yeah. Long story short, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, um, unlike Glenn Rice and Mike, I was I was super low on Tyce Jones going into last year's draft because the Mavericks, you know, he had been slotted to them a few times. Kind of, mm-hmm. he was in the in the area, the team I, I cover closest, uh, but. The, the reason, the main reason, was just his size. That you haven't seen for small guards to make it in the NBA for guards that are you know six foot under six foot, uh, which Tice isn't quite. I, I believe he's six one or six foot even. So he's not he's not tiny. But for for guards like him to make it, they have to be they have to be quick. They have to be able to shoot, and they have to uh, have really good passing awareness. And that's just a really tough combination that you don't see very often. Yeah. Uh, and it's just too much. Like after after Shane Larkin couldn't do it. Like you know, I was I was big into Shane Larkin, and when he kind of uh, pattered off uh, just as as a backup, decent backup who's going to hang around the league, but not really ever really be anything from what it looks yeah. like. You know, I was kind of out on Jones, but. The the thing I can say for him is he always knows where to be. He's he's a very 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 smart player. Yep. Uh, you know he's always around the ball or just making making the right play. And and there's something to that. You know for a point guard who can you know not screw up and not uh, not turn the ball over too often. You know he's he's always going to be at a disadvantage with his height and his defense won't ever quite be there. You know not like someone who's six two or six three. Like he's always giving up a disparity there. But uh, I do I do think that there's you know a room for him as a as a backup point guard and that we saw him as you know just a a as a backup point a backup one who doesn't make mistakes. You know who's really steady and solid. Uh, and you you know you only want to play him twenty twenty five minutes. But you know yeah. the, I think there's room. There may be room in the NBA for for him for you know a decent career as a backup. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind the Sixers taking a stab if he ends up getting kind of put on the D-League or, or what it may be, or if he gets doesn't make the team. Um, I wouldn't mind the Sixers trying to take a stab at him, just letting him try to play some point guard. I know he has a great relationship with Julio Okafor. I think that might be something that they could tag along. That's from AAU up through college, obviously. So maybe that happens. I don't know. Just speculating. Yeah, but, I, um, I'm just, what does he do well? Like, I just, I don't see what he does well. I mean, he does he does nothing badly, but in, in this league, you got to do something well. And okay, I, so the Sixers have, have 
uh, no point guard. Jared Bayless is a starting point guard, right? Well, okay. I th- well, wait, no, they do have a point guard, and maybe no, we can transition to. No, they do have a point guard. His Ben Simmons. Well, I- I'm aware of that. Yeah, we should talk about let's sure. talk about Ben okay. Simmons a little bit. What did I'm like? Not so sold on him right yet. I don't think I saw enough, but other people, really? I- I'm not sure I saw enough. I mean, what do you what did you guys think? Oh, Tim, I'll let you go first because uh, I know Mike is is down on him. What do you think? By, by far the weirdest player I've watched in in <laughs> quite some time. Like I've I've never I've never quite seen someone, you know. I, I mean, just to be a number one prospect, to be this highly regarded, and then to to look like he's passing up shots in the in the early games, uh, to not want to take jumpers at all. It's just a bizarre mix of skills. But he clearly is very skilled. There's no doubt about that. He you know the passes he made were were incredible. There there's times where he would go to the rim and just easily overpower people you know finish finish over the top of them uh there's there's a lot there and you know if he can get a corner three and a a pull up free throw line jumper you know i I think that package is there enough that you know he's gonna live up to his pedigree or get you know at least be a very quality starter for quite some time but you know just watching him right now it's just it's really weird to process exactly what he is I, i think that's the biggest thing it's just hard to it's hard to understand what he can be because we haven't seen that many players you know, like him, uh, yeah. quite like him. Not, not even LeBron. LeBron was, you know, similar skills, but at least was shooting jumpers and stuff. And there's, there's none of that from Simmons or has. Yeah, been. yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so funny, man. He had some crazy stats in high school and stuff too, right? Where he, he had like, I think his junior year. I want to say his high school team won like three state championships in the three years he was there in Monverde, and they, he, they averaged like twenty eight, twelve, five assists, like three steals, and a couple blocks a game in the junior year. Uh, when they went undefeated or whatnot or something like that and won the uh, national championship. And the whole point was he dominated every part of the game. And you could see because in high school, physically, he was there. He still looked like he was playing with high schoolers, in my opinion, physically. Um, and I watched every one of his minutes, you know, in this. It looked a lot like LSU. It was shitty basketball. And he was playing at a, at a higher athletic clip and seeing the court. Like, he had a lot of turnovers, like 20-something of them in the 20s for turnovers. More than he had field goals. And there was like 21 turnovers and 19 field goals made, which is not a good ratio. I'm not going to lie about that. And I think it's weird that he goes to the basket consistently to his left because that's his stronger side, but shoots with his right. Mike it's and I have a, talked it, about this. It is the weirdest thing. It's it's a mind block. You understand that. This is basketball psychology. Like He has to be able to use his left hand from an under side of the ball. It can't just be from an over shooting side of the ball, right? Right. I mean, he's not right? even, he's not, he's shooting lefty. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I it, know. And it he would be very strange. All the time. It would be very, it would be strange if he shot righty and just, Never uses left hand. It's even stranger that he shoots jumpers with his left hand. He is working with a psychologist, I read, which I thought was interesting. I mean, certainly that's good. I don't know exactly uh, whether that'll work or, you know. But let me let me finish the point, though, the the good side of him, though, because I can't be all doom and gloom. I'm I'm actually not doom and gloom at all. Um, I think he is. I think he is on another level in how he sees the game that is only going to be exacerbated. He's, he's going to the court opens up so much in the NBA for guys that can play the position uh, and see the game faster, which he does. But also there, he's out there athletically. Like he gets up and down the court and as many strides 
as guys like Westbrook and LeBron, who who can get decided angle advantages and exploit the things before teams get set up. And when he's running the court with a Saric lining up for his three-point shot or following him just behind him, he's also 6'10", but also runs the court in a point-forward type way. I think the two of those guys together are going to be the most dynamic duo of, of rookies to come into the league in a long, long time. I mean that. I really do think the two of them are going to complement each other really, really well. I don't think people have seen two 6'10 guys this skilled, this young together ever come into the league on the same team. Too bad that they're never going to play together because sure there, are too many, there are too many other big men on that team. Sure they will. No, they won't be for long. Uh, I guess we'll see. Colangelo. I'm now on the officially... The process is over. Now I'm in the do something Colangelo. Can we start that one? Because <laughs> I just got to see what my team's going to look like. But anyhow. That doesn't, really read, doesn't really read well on a catchphrase. Uh, like, I wouldn't put do something Colangelo on a t-shirt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah, might, yeah, might be too much of an invitation. The other weird <laughs> thing about Simmons for me was just watching him warm up. And I don't want to read too much into it. No, you go know, for it. But, but his, his warm-up, his warm like he would, take, he would take a few jumpers and then he would... He would back himself like into the post and then shoot Kobe fadeaways and uh, do like falling away floaters and stuff. He had the weirdest warm up that I saw. I think it was in uh, it was the Friday. It was the, the Sixers' last game. Uh, and some of that just may have been him bored and messing around and not taking it seriously because it's summer league. So, like I said, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but it's really weird that you know, like you normally see people just go around the arc and then they practice the free throws and then yeah. you know it, he just had the he had the strangest mix of warm up shots that I've ever seen from a player because that's the type of shots he takes in real life as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, it's a little strange. Now, his court vision really is otherworldly. I mean, he had this one pass when they played the Lakers where I, you know, he's dribbling left and, you know, a lot of people can whip that bounce pass to the back door cutter in the corner, kind of if it's an obvious play, if like the defender got hardened. No, this was like good defense by the corner defender and he's like dribbling and yet he still whipped it in like perfectly placed for a layup and it was one of the best passes I've ever seen. It was actually a funny moment after the game. A certain reporter who has been on our podcast before, and that is all I will say, asked, asked him uh, how he saw it. And Simmons kind of stared at him and was like, well, with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to say which reporter this is? Come on. Uh, this, no, 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 no. I mean, he, he gave a question. It, it was, and he gave a real answer afterwards, but that was a pretty funny uh, first, first line. It was a little weird, uh, some of the things that, I saw from him besides the finishing, he didn't play any defense. I thought he was kind of upright the whole time. That worried me. Uh, I don't like how he kind of throws grenades at his uh, his teammates at the end of shot clocks. I kind of can't stand that. There was one game he played where he was much more aggressive with his jumper. He was much more aggressive looking to score, and that was encouraging. I also worry that he doesn't really have a lot of one-foot power finishes. It seems like he's always taking a jump stop and finishing. Uh, I think that's a side... A lot of times the one-foot finishing is a sign of really strong athleticism, and I didn't really see that. And not to say he's not athletic, just that he doesn't have the LeBron-level like kind of power. Oh, that no, I think you, no, no, he doesn't. he doesn't. No, but I think if you're going to play that game the way he plays, I think you ultimately, if you're going to be a great player, you've got to have that. Your your only weakness can be your jumper, and I, I didn't see that as his only weakness. And so... I'm a little worried. You know, I, I think the Sixers are doing the right thing, making him the point guard. I like some of the things they've done this summer to bring in guys to play off him. I thought Gerald Henderson was a really nice signing. I think Jared Bayless could play well in that system. Uh, and, but I'm just, I'm just skeptical. I'm a little worried about some of the things I've seen that I think are going to be difficult to solve. And 
I, I do not. I think he will have great Vine moments, great Vine highlights. He will be a Vine superstar. I just, I'm not sure. I'm, I see it as a real NBA superstar at this point. Huh? Wow. There's no, Man. there's, there's no doubt he has the highest ceiling though. Like, I, you know, I'm gonna disagree with that. I think Brandon Ingram, as as rough as he played, I think he just looks kind of like a 16 year old playing with 21 year olds. I think Brandon Ingram has a high ceiling. I just think he, for him, it's going to take even longer. He really has to put on weight. Well, ben Simmons isn't like an old old dude. He's 19 years old. Like his body, he will be way more explosive seven years from now. When he's 30, the way he sees the game at this moment, oh my god! Maybe like I, I don't want to like over speculate on how good he can be. But look, Jason Kidd learned how to shoot threes consistently very late in his career and was an incredible point guard who saw the court, never looked down at the ball. We know how he played. Simmons kind of does that, but at a higher level of rebounding clip. He's going to average almost double, not double, well, on the Sixers, he won't average as many rebounds given the amount of big guys, but he could easily average double-digit rebounds a game on most teams. The way he attacks the boards on the defensive end of the board, uh, of the basket. And I thought his defense wasn't that bad. I agree, he plays extremely upright. But yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought the first couple games... Um, he was taking a little time for him to understand kind of like the, how much you had to hedge and like just like the amount you had to do at the NBA level. And I thought by the last two games, he played good defense um, in in the last couple games. In the first couple games, he didn't. But I think he got used to kind of how much you had to do um, in terms of you know the switches, how many steps you had to take out to hedge, the kind of the speed of the game defensively. Because I think offensively, the speed of the game was already easily there for him, clearly. But it was more, uh, you know, how to pick up to play defensively, how much physical physicality you can get away with. I think physicality is something that all of the rookies, except for really Dunn, had an issue with because they're coming out of college where every ticky tack thing is a foul and you never know what you're doing because you're going to foul out for you know four to five minutes of um, each game. Um, they, it takes him a, a minute to get adjusted, but I thought he played better defense uh, later on uh, in the six games he played. Um, but too much, too much on uh, Ingram. Let's get, I'm sorry, on Simmons. Let's get to Ingram and uh, and his superstar summer league standout teammate, D'Angelo Russell. Um, oh, Tim, God. did you get a chance to watch the Lakers? I, I did. I was at the Simmons... Uh the Simmons Ingram duel and that Fantastic. kind of that Russell took over and that that was a very great moment. I I don't think there's much to say about him. He's very good. He was too good for the competition, and <laughs> it was very it was very cool seeing him hit that shot and then run over to the stands and eject ice into his veins. Uh, I'm only disappointed. Did that, you see his interview where he dropped the s bomb on Jay Adande? Uh, af- afterwards, yes. Uh, <laughs> but that was um. I thought it was a little weird that Russell immediately ran into the stands and not like kind of to his teammates. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into don't it. Don't read but, into it. Don't read into it. But like, I'm just saying, given his sort of uh, criticism of immaturity, which is not to say that he's a bad person, just that he's sort of you know the criticism is that he sort of acts like a 14 year old. You know, I thought that was a little a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. I mean, in terms of how he plays, no question he's too good for the summer league, which is a, a good step given that he kind of looked shook last year. But I'm I'm still not totally sold on him maturity wise. Is all I'm saying. Hmm. I I support celebrations where you uh, where you put ice in your veins. So I'm I'm very I'm pro D'Angelo. I support it. I thought as a as a fan who enjoys watching people celebrate. I support it. I don't know if it's great for his maturity level and performance in the future. That is what I'm saying. Okay. That's fair. I mean, that's not reading too much into it, but I do see. I guess I could see where people who have been following the situation closely would see that. Maybe a certain reporter in Los Angeles uh, would, would read into that. A, fr- a frequenter of our podcast, a friend. Um, let's see. Um, 
one of the other things I did happen to notice is a lot of tandems that were to look out for. One of them was Chris and Bender going into this. Did you guys get a chance to see Phoenix play? Uh, a little bit. I came away more impressed with Tyler Eulis than either of those guys. I thought Tyler Eulis was real good. Tell me about Booker and Eulis then. Oh, well, Devin Booker is way too good for this. Uh, Why was he playing in Summer League? Because he's 19 years old. I mean, I get that, but like he's way too important to be potentially getting injured playing Summer League. He's probably the best player on the Suns next season. Yeah, well, he he, he sat after two games. I think he wanted to play with Eulis to make it more comfortable for him. Remember, they're college yeah, teammates. Good, good friends, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's also a sort of important, given where Booker has to be with the Suns team, for him to be a leader in the Summer League. And he was... I thought really taking charge. You know, Booker also sort of looks the part when he plays. He just has such a smooth game that I think sometimes that maybe inflates him. But no, I thought he was incredible. Tyler Ewis, though, I mean, he looked like, I know uh, he's very small, and like I'm not saying he's going to be a starter or anything next year, but he looked like the height didn't really bother him out here. I mean, Tim, did you get a chance to see them play? I, I saw them only a little. I, I pretty much yeah. agree that Devin's, you know, he's he's very, very good, that Ewis looked looked better than I would have ever expected. And then, you know, I liked, I liked what I saw from Bender too. And just in the sense that he, that he looks comfortable on the floor, even if, you know, all the production isn't there yet. Like he looks athletic and like he can move and, and do a lot of things. Yeah. His, his shot, his shot looks good too. Uh, even it didn't go in, but it, it looks good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think incomplete for him because they slotted him on the wing because they had too many big guys. And I, I just, I don't think that's his position. I don't really think we got a great, look into what he can do. He was sort of kind of there, I thought, and sort of in, out of position. I have no idea what to make of Marquis Chris. He's just sort of another guy who's just like, what is he? Uh, it could be anything. No, yeah, I mean, he, he looks really young and absolutely needs a lot of time. I think both those guys might be the two furthest away, um, which is interesting that they're on the same, the same team. It's, it's important that Phoenix builds are, you know, around them properly without putting too much on their shoulders, I'd, I'd say. Um, not even sure where they actually slot in, to be honest, on on an NBA roster right now. What do you think about that? Uh, well, they're going to have to play because they don't really have any power forwards. Although they have like BJ Tucker and Jared Dudley kind of are going to be their fours, I guess, next sure. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't trust. I'm a little worried about Phoenix's ability just to sort of stay true to the process. They have they do a great job of finding talent in the draft. I think they do. They have some great people over there, great talent evaluators. But I've been in, they've gotten impatient in the past, and I don't want them to do that here. I'd like to see them move one of those point guards. I. I I've never been a Brandon Knight fan. I just don't think – I think he works really hard. He can really shoot, but he just he just does not have the patience or nuance in his game. And I think it would be nice, I think, if they were to find a team that maybe could take him, they could move him for other assets and kind of let Booker handle the ball more often. I'd like to see that. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. Let's get to a few, uh, let's get to a few questions here from uh, people who, who shout us tweets with questions because there's some good ones, and they'll lead into some players I think you guys uh, – know a little bit about from what you've watched and, and what I understand. Um, let's see. Let's start with um, at, uh, at the BBM 52. Uh, guys, are the Bulls a dominant, uh, are the Bulls dominant because of weak talent or do those guys look like bench players? So is this basically summer league or is this actually going to be their bench? And it looks like it's going to be a, a solid foundation for the amazing new uh, starting core of the Bulls. Uh, Tim, you can go take the floor on that one first, but I know you're, you, you're working on something on uh, Cristiano uh, Felicio, so go ahead and tell us about the Bulls. I I really liked Felicio and uh, you know the Bulls in general. There's a reason they made it. They made it to the finals. I, I do think that it's somewhat in- indicative. Obviously, it doesn't mean any, everything, but uh, I think that the the Bulls' strength 
will be their bench next season. Uh, we we can get into their starting five at another moment in time, but <laughs> but yes, they're 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 I, I do I do like their bench. I do like the the players coming off there, and uh, par- particularly Felicia looks like like he he was one of those guys who looked like he was you know he didn't belong out there. Like he was so much better than everyone else that you know he was just a steady hand and uh, out out you know physically dominant over people. Uh, at, at one point he he scored uh, f- like 15 points on six of six shooting, uh, and that was uh, that was um, you know in about 20 minutes a game. He, he barely <laughs> played that game and still still put up big numbers. He had another game who was eight of eight. Uh, overall has really put up, you know, very efficient scoring. You know, he, he finishes around the rim and, and knows when to, uh, to to run the floor. You know, he's he's mobile and agile, but, you know, he's he, he's able to, you know, move out a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't remember how much of he showed in Summer League, but I know he has that ability or, or promises to have that ability at some point. So I really like him, and I think I think the Bulls did, did well picking him up, that uh, he'll be a decent decent part of the bench next year. Is he? He might be better than Robin Lopez next year. He, he might be. I, I, I mean, it's it's so hard to tell exactly what you're seeing in summer league, but he he legitimately looked very very good from what I saw. He's the kind of player that's not supposed to be good in summer league. Sort of a big guy who's more cerebral, protecting the rim, and you know, not someone that has a ball a lot. I mean, Bobby Portis played well, but that's the kind of guy that always plays well in summer league. Just sort of the aggressive forward. I mean, Felicio. That guy's not supposed to be good. He just he can really move his feet, you know, stepping out, and he can protect the rim, and he can catch and finish. I mean, it's sort of funny, you know, all these teams in made all these big offers. You know, the Bucks earlier today gave Miles Plumley a fifty-two million dollar contract, and oh god, really? Yeah, and I, you know, there are others. I mean, Mozgov, obviously. I mean, there's still a lot of guys out there. It, it almost feels like at this point, if you can just find. I know there aren't that many tall people in the world, and so there's always going to be a, like a shortage. Uh, but if you can find like a big guy who can kind of move a little bit, protect the rim, and catch and finish, you know, the, there's not a huge difference between those guys. And the Bulls are great to find Felicio. And I think the thing that depresses me about the Bulls is that they have this this interesting bench. I thought Denzel Valentine was kind of interesting at times uh, when he played. Uh, they have Jerry and Grant and Spencer Dinwiddie uh, and Portis. And I think Dinwiddie's better than Grant, by the way. I don't think Grant's that good. I yeah, agree. I, th- I think that Dinwiddie takes his spot. Yeah, so they have all these interesting young players and Miritich and, and McDermott even, and yet their starting lineup, they're starting three vets who need the ball and Wade and Rondo. I feel like this is one of those things where Bulls fans are going to be so excited when the bench comes in and just so bummed when the starters come in. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily a bad thing then. That's kind of It's nice to have a good bench mob. Good teams have those, but I, I don't – I really don't know what to say about the Bulls right now. I'm going to give them an incomplete. But I'm glad you mentioned Portis uh, and, and Valentine. Um, kind of in that realm of that power, that power, that forward who can be you know more athletic on the court, gone a little bit, kind of show what they can do. A few other guys I wanted to hit on. Um, let's see if we can just get to this real quick. Let's see. At VJ Vimu, favorite Vegas Summer League player and which undrafted has the best chance at making an NBA roster? So for this particular question, Go ahead, Tim. Who's your favorite uh, NBA, uh, your favorite Vegas player, and uh, what undrafted is the best chance of making an NBA roster? Oh man, putting me on the spot like this, I'm trying to, I'm trying to frantically remember who was undrafted and. <laughs> and if you can't uh, go, Mike, you can handle the undrafted. Do they have player. to be undrafted uh, in this draft? 
Uh, no, sure. Give me another, Jeff. That's a good question. I thought uh, I thought Christian Wood was really good in both yes. in both uh, Utah and here, and he parlayed that into a contract with the Hornets, which good for yes, him. He did. You know, you don't find too many guys with a seven three wingspan that can shoot threes, so that's pretty exciting. I just think he, I he, maturity. I think he has some growing up to do, and we'll see if he has done the growing up. Yeah, I just think I, you know, I watched him play last year in summer league on the Sixers, and then I watched him play like multiple ten day contracts. Actually, the <clears throat> the last move that Hinky made for the Sixers, I believe, was a ten day contract extension of some sort with with uh, with my man Christian Woods. So it, it really is kind of cathartic to see him go because he was great and he earned himself an NBA. He was sort of that another you know hinky diamond in the look look for free you can get this seven foot three wingspan you know or like look at the economics of it just little treats at the end of the uh, process but he goes to charlotte where, where he could play there i don't know we'll see he has an interesting game he's gotten a lot better in one year of being a professional maybe it suits him better to be uh you know in, in a professional environment as opposed to a collegiate uh, or au atmosphere but um who knows on christian Wood? but i appreciate that answer there uh let's see can one of you talk about Buddy Heald? Because we got a question here. Let's see. At uh, Harry underscore DSW, does Buddy Heald showing worry you? It worries me, he says, and I ain't even a Pels fan. So, I know, Tim, I believe you wrote a little something on uh, on this uh, very, very, very matter here. So why don't you talk about Buddy Heald? Yeah, it's been about the, the entire week kind of following him and, and, look, and just seeing how he did. And honestly, uh, I'm surprised how little... Uh, how how little concern I have after seeing him shoot so poorly. Uh, there's there's no other way to look at it. It was very poor shooting. He missed open shots. He missed uh, contested shots. Uh, and the biggest thing that coming into the NBA that people knew would be his challenge, uh, he did at times struggle to get good looks against NBA defenders. But uh, a lot of a lot of the shots, like I said, were open ones, and we know he's going to hit open ones. You know, he, there's too many good looks that we saw him make. You know, the exact same shot in Oklahoma, and then he, he would miss it uh, coming in the summer league. And, and for mm-hmm. a five-game sample size, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I know he can make those shots. Uh, you know, give him, give him three more months, four more months a season of missing those shots again. For some reason, yeah, okay, something's wrong. But uh, to me, that was clearly not a time to panic, not, especially for a player established, you know, a four-year senior. You know, I, I think that we can we can trust him to come around. Uh, he's he's definitely not a number one option. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought that coming in. Uh, but now there should be no doubts at all. You know, he's he's probably not even a number two. But I think he can sure. be a really good number three. You know, in the JJ Redick uh, type role or Mike Miller. Those were the two players that the summer league coach uh, talked about showing him tape of. Uh, so that was another Redick question. And, Redick and Tra- both. I'm sorry. We have another fan question too, as well. Was, uh, uh, you know, uh, Trey House asked thoughts on Heald's ball handling, passing potential to be a secondary creator or likely floor spacer. So, which right now would you say you, you see him more as a secondary creator or that that professional floor spacer? I I, th- I think he could do a little bit of both. Uh, his mm-hmm. his his uh, his playmaking wasn't quite there, but uh, he had he showed some really good passes from time to time. His last game, he had five assists and could have had seven or eight. Uh, had had people finished uh, layups and and jumpers. So I, I liked what I saw. I liked some of the passes that he was able to throw out there. I think that you know he was he was able to take on double teams because he was getting a lot of double teams, a lot of traps off pick and rolls. Uh, defenses were pressuring him very very hard. So I, I liked some of the adjustments he made, even as his shots kept not going down. You know, he kept missing jumpers, but he still made some adjustments. So I, th- I think he'll be okay. I really do. 
You know, uh, I think that with with a with a full roster around him, when you know he's he's able to run run around screens and not have the entire defense swing towards him quite as drastically as when he's the only player on the floor who people have name recognition for. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that will I think that will help him, and I think that you know he will he will be a you know you know JJ Redick is is the type of the type of player he needs to shoot for. So uh, I think that's within reason. You are a lot more optimistic than I am. <laughs> Mike yeah. hates rookies. We got Doug Collins over here. I'm a little scared. Uh, I see, in theory, why he would be a good fit with what they have. Uh, like, I actually like. I actually think the Pelicans are going to be good next year, but that's a topic for another time. But no, I'm very worried by his inability to get separation. Uh, I guess I obviously I seen it or heard about it, but seeing it in person was a little bit jarring. The Rodney Magruder was sort of all over him in the one game I saw him play. I think he played Miami. Uh, I forget exactly where Rodney Magruder was at this point. Uh, but yeah, just he has so much trouble getting separation. Yes, I know he's not going to be a primary creator, but he's got to attack closeouts and. You know, if you can't get separation against these guys, it doesn't bode well for your ability to get attack closeouts. And I think if he wants to be J.J. Redick, he's got to get in even better shape. I mean, J.J. Redick is one of the most well-conditioned players in the league. You know, he runs and runs and runs and runs. And, you know, Buddy Heald, now he knows that that's what he's got to do. He's got to be in the best shape possible because... As a pick-and-roll player and just sort of coming from from a stopping position, he's simply not athletic enough to get by guys, and that's a big concern. I thought otherwise he kind of is fine, you know, knowing where he's supposed to be and his passing reads, but no, that I, I'd be worried. And I worry not because I think that he can't be a decent role player, but just because that that's sort of now, I think, the best-case scenario. And, you know, the worst-case scenario is that he's like Sean Respert. Or someone like that, who, or I mean, so, not Jim or bad, but just someone that is a great college player that can't get separation in the pros. But like I said, I kind of am optimistic about New Orleans in general. I think they're going to be pretty good next year, and I think it's a good situation for him. I, I'm just not sure. I, I, I'm very worried by what I saw in summer league. That's for sure. I saw a lot of similarities between the the way that the defense played him in summer league, uh, and the way that Villanova kind of got up into him athletically and kind of made him uncomfortable. I think he was like four of 12, like one of eight from three in that game. He, he had a really bad game. You know, Nova absolutely blew them out by like 40, but he had a bad game there. And it was also because Nova switched on everything and kept guys like kind of around him. He, he needs to see a few open shots go in and you just don't get those as much in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I think he is a, I think he's an interesting player though, still too, because, because like Tim said, he is a, a smart mature dude at 23 or whatever he is now 24 how 22 23 how old is he 23 before old old for a rookie old for a rookie we'll call it um yeah i mean the the contrast between him and dunn physically was just so jarring i know they don't play the same position but dunn and you know there are a couple other guys even valentine i thought looked kind of like his seniorness wasn't it he used it to his advantage i thought when i saw actually valentine's body changed a bit he already has started to get way more fit from his college build yeah and i didn't see that from Dunn. i also saw it from some second year guys who were four-year seniors like norman powell i thought was really on another level you don't see that with healed and it's a sort of a, a, a contrast between some of the other older players out here yep no norman powell i also thought was was quite good uh jordan mccray who's like an older slasher type guy he had a 
great summer league. I mean, we'll see if he fits in with Cleveland. Um, another guy in that same type of build uh, was Kelly Oubre. Mike, I mean, I know there's some Wizards fans who listen to this still, despite uh, how, how negative uh, you can be. I'm always, I'm always so positive about the Wizards. Um, Tim, yes, Tim, I'm not you are. Nervous, but I root for the Wizards um, and the Sixers. Um, I'm a huge Wizards fan because of Mike's, Mike's you know, adversity towards them. Um, I'm just Somebody kidding, had. Mike. Somebody had to balance it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Mike's that's, usually right. That's me, that's the uh, self-loathing fan. Uh, Kelly <laughs> Rowe is all right. I thought, you know, he certainly, I thought, physically was a step above where he was last year. Again, I, I, I thought he should have played more last year. I think I think the team kind of does, does too. Uh, he's still not making the great passing reads. He's sort of kind of a black hole when he attacks the basket. His jumper is still really inconsistent. He's kind of got this weird little, like, spread leg form and sort of fling at the rim that's kind of inconsistent i like to see them work with him a little bit on that but you know defensively you see the potential and hopefully scott brooks can work with him because i think that he's his development is really important to them and they've got they've got a lot of openings on the wing i think they're actually looking at some of their summer league players to sort of fill some of the void a couple of their guys i thought played pretty well for them daniel house played well i thought uh you know, Michael Eric is a big guy. But he played pretty well. Jarrell Eddy, I thought, had a great summer league. Uh, and I think he's going to make the team and kind of be maybe play a key role in the backcourt. So there's room. And, you know, I thought he was all right. I, I think he might he make second team all tournament. I thought that was probably about yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess I want to end on, on one guy. There's, there's one guy we really haven't talked about yet who might be the most interesting he's certainly one of the most talked about due to how old he is or is not but thon maker mike i know you wrote a really interesting piece on thon maker and I, I read it um and i know that you have a strong opinion on uh, or not a strong opinion you have a, a good sense of what you've seen so far so why don't you give us a little, couple thoughts on him yeah I, I thought he he would be raw and struggle uh certainly he did not look like he was physically ready i think you know, he had 10 fouls in, in, in his third game, and I thought that was – you could see why. He's just sort of out of position, out of physicality, sort of getting pushed around on the glass. And I talked to John Hammond about it, uh, Maker for a bit uh, for that story, and he was saying that he'd like to see Maker uh, gain 15 pounds, and that might need to happen over a couple years, and he's still really far away. I think he was very – cognizant of downplaying the current expectations for him yes but you see you kind of see what the bucks were seeing when you watch him you know you see that he has an interesting looking stroke i liked i think they really liked and i liked uh you know sean sweeney their assistant coach was saying this the way he ran the floor i thought he ran the floor pretty hard he didn't look like he was sort of tired out there he didn't have many of those moments and i thought that was important strides up and down the court is like six strides for him he's enormous I wouldn't call him athletic, though. I think he's sort of long. I I don't think he's, like, athletic in the sense of, you know... Like Giannis or something like that? He's sort of, I I guess, athletic laterally, I suppose. He's sort of a little... He looks a little agile. No, Giannis is, like, a powerful athlete. I mean, I don't think there's any comparison there. The thing that's intriguing is, I think, his skill level, I think, is intriguing. When you think about, I thought, if he can play defense... Well, intelligently, I think he's got the ability to protect the rim but also cover the perimeter. I think his passing ability in the short roll game I thought was sort of interesting, and I liked the way he was setting the angle of his screens. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, he's got some moves down low. I mean, he's just not – he just needs to kind of play more with more intensity, and I think the Bucks know this, and they look at it as a project. And I think 
you know, uh, Hammond made an interesting point when I asked sort of for comparisons between him and Giannis. He sort of didn't deny the comparisons, you know, just in terms of where he was drafted. He was saying, you know, at a certain point in the draft, you just everybody's sort of a risk. Like once you get past two, four, six, you know, why not sort of go with the upside pick at that spot? And I think there are a lot of people, while I don't think Maker really lit the world on fire, I think there are a lot of people who look at the way he played, understanding how far away he probably is. Let's forget the age thing for a second because, you know, who knows. But let's assume that he is his age. Uh, And you see, like, hey, you know, that actually kind of makes a lot of sense what they did, as surprising as that pick seemed at the time. So uh, that's how I would assess the way he played. Got it. Yeah, you know, I I kind of agree with everything you said there, to be honest. Like, I thought that there were, other than the fact that I do think he is, I think he's not strong yet. I think he's still so weak. Like, his body build is going to get, he's always going to be a thin guy because, uh, you know, however it is, his metabolism may be or whatever it is. But he's going to get much, much stronger. The same way KD was all wiry, much better athlete, like quickness-wise, but... He, uh, I think there is some room for him to be potentially like a, a somewhat plus athlete because I think he gets stuff like steps, like he he can do like nice footwork, euro step stuff like that. Like he gets the the little things offensively, the stroke, the touch around the hoop. Yeah, I, I think fluid is a good way to describe him. I'm just yeah. not, I'm saying he's not very uh, vertically athletic. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't think, like I didn't think he was particularly vertically athletic. He sort of just kind of glides um around the court. I thought it was interesting also the way the Bucks were talking about how yes he has to get stronger, but they, they want to make sure he has a knowledge base and that way when he gets stronger, it's sort of stronger with a purpose. You know, it wasn't just yeah, he's gotta put on weight. It's you know, he's gotta know what he's doing. It actually is easier for him to give a more consistent effort and intensity if he kinda knows what he's doing. And so they it was interesting I thought the way they didn't separate the two. Right. Yeah. Uh, any are there any players that we we've missed, guys? There any, I mean, l- closing thoughts. I guess I, I'd say, Tim, is there anybody we we didn't mention who you'd like to touch on uh, or give us your final uh, the retrospective on on Vegas for us? But that'd be great. It was. I mean, there's only so much you can take from it. You gotta you gotta treat everything <laughs> with with its seriousness. But uh, I I enjoyed being out there. It's always a fun time. It's uh the the key is talking to talking to people and meeting people. That's that's kind of what it what it exists for more than anything else. Um, <laughs> yep. Did anybody did anybody else stand out to me? Uh, the Warriors. Uh, what is it? McCaw, Patrick. Pa- yeah, Patrick, Patrick McCaw. Or, yeah. And uh, Jordan McRae were both very good. Uh, pretty impressed with both of them. Uh, yes. So so somehow Cleveland and the Warriors both had a player. <laughs> Uh, who actually kind of lit up summer league? So it's so you know the rich get richer, I guess. I don't know how, I don't know how that's fair, but uh, as it turns out, it seems like they both had a pretty decent prospect there. Uh, I liked what Justin Anderson did when I was watching the Mavericks. Uh, obviously, the team I cover closest. So he is really athletic. He is. He, he can really get up. Yeah, it it kind of it kind of flies under the radar until you see him. You know explode from half court and like four steps and then block somebody at the rim it's it's insane i don't know how he does that but uh he's he's turned that into an art and uh i i'm very impressed with what he's able to do there so uh overall uh i'm glad i made it out alive uh it i definitely definitely was ready to be gone the last couple of days but uh i'm i'm also ready to go back next year <laughs> Very nice. Mike, what do you think, bud? Uh, I'd like to apologize to the Houston Rockets staffer who uh, I introduced myself to thinking he was someone else. That was fairly embarrassing. Uh, 
Uh, that's sort of the, <laughs> the nature of the I'm event. Of moment. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to that person. We, you know, I appreciate that you didn't give me too much grief for that because that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. It, it, it's just such a weird event. You know, one of the things I did uh, during the event outside the game was sort of track some of these retro jerseys that people are wearing. You got, you know, Mike Bibby with the Vancouver Grizzlies. I talked to a very nice guy who uh, wearing a Len Bias jersey from Maryland. Um, and I'm actually a little disappointed with myself because the day after I published that story as Tim's Eagles Eye spotted there was a guy in not just a Sean May Bobcats jersey but a Sean May oh. Bobcats alternate jersey <laughs> of the alternate purples <laughs> um that's so awesome. I uh, did not get a chance to talk to them. The other thing I also saw, uh, we, we haven't talked about the Celtics uh, and Jalen Brown, but I, I saw, speaking of the Celtics, I saw a guy who kind of made one of those a makeshift sort of Gershon Yarbuselli jersey. <laughs> uh, did you, see, you saw that guy, right, Tim? Uh, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember him out there. That was, that was <laughs> almost too much dedication. I, I can't remember if it was if it was a Celtics jersey or a France jersey, because I, I think he's French, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just he kind of sort of painted on, you know, like you have the little watercolors. I think he was sure. painting on Yarbuselli on the back. It was sort of a plain white shirt that was carried over. It, the things he That's spotted, be, by the way, that name is going to be brutal in the Boston accent. By the way, do you want to try saying it in the Boston accent? Yeah. Uh, That'd be a Yabu Selly. Yabu Selly. Yabu Selly. Yeah, we. Yeah. Uh, I, Everything's I in Mayor Quimby's voice is my only like reference point <laughs> to getting into Boston accents. Like there will be. It is a. Uh, it's always like the fragmentation, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. I, I enjoyed that element of it. Uh, and there are a lot of great people you meet out there. It sort of is kind of like a convention for uh, you know. So uh, anyway, that was that. So you guys made it. You made it back, both of you, to your home. Your one's in Dallas. We got one in New York. Everyone's back, hundred percent, ready for the I don't know the never-ending summer of basketball before the actual season starts. Because one big circle, boys. Uh, let's see. Subscribe to us. Uh, that's uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Uh, rate us, review us. Hey, I should be asking for this in the beginning of the podcast because then people might hear it more. But nonetheless, yeah. wow, wow, wow! What a bad host you are. Uh, I, I, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I know, right, Mike? Thanks for your input too. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we are planning to stay active during the off season. Uh, so I, I know we keep saying that, but we are going to stay active. Uh, there are a lot of teams that did some very interesting things this summer, and we'd like to try to take a deep look at all of them over the course of the summer. We also have the Olympics coming up, or as I call it, the Team USA invitation. Uh, I think we could come <laughs> up with a better name. Uh, I do, what, okay, here's a guess. What do you think the average margin of victory will be for Team USA in the Olympics? Mm, it's tough. I, I haven't looked at their group or anything or how that works. Probably like so they have Serbia. They have Serbia and France in their group, and then I think it's Australia, Serbia, France, Australia, Venezuela, and I believe Nigeria. Let me check. Let me double check. Oh, China. Okay, all right. So Serbia and Fr- France could be a decent game. I mean, like in the teens. Who's on France uh, this year? I'm trying to think. Uh, Tony Parker's playing, I believe. Is he? Uh, yeah, I think I think they have. You can look this up. But anyway, we're going to talk. We're going to do Olympics, and like Mike said, we're going to tap into our communities, the the different SB Nation uh, site leaders and so forth that we can uh, you know get get in touch with. And uh, much like we have Tim here, uh, Tim, you want to plug anything, buddy? Well, uh, before we get out of here. 
Uh, not not really, no. Good. It just wants to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how Vegas, I think a lot of it is just because it's the end of the year and everyone, you know, even the executives are tired. I think everyone's so casual out there because they know that all the hard work is done. And it's sort of like you're paying off the early part of their vacation. Uh, but no, there's still a lot to be decided in the NBA. We still don't know what's going on with Russell Westbrook. Uh, that is sort of an interesting little subplot, uh, and we will see. But uh, yeah, the, the term I heard from a couple people was that it feels like the last day of school. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that we were able to have a podcast to encapsulate that. That's and cool. then, and then the championship game is sort of like the stragglers who are taking like some sort of like co- prep, college prep course while everybody else leaves. <laughs> rookies um okay guys well this has been a lot of fun again rate review subscribe all that good stuff uh at twitter we are uh, at uh limited underscore upside you can keep tweeting these questions that was a lot of fun it helps lead us in direction at some points when mike and i get lost so we appreciate that all the listeners we really do appreciate you and uh until next time the limited upside podcast (laughs) 